Hey, everybody. My name is Ryan Alexander, and I serve as the husband to Pastor Jen. Oh! <laughs> and uh, we're going to tag team on the message today, and yeah. uh, we're looking forward to doing that. Yeah. Uh, it's good to be with you, whether you're joining us at home or joining us at one of our campuses. Uh, it is really, really, really good to be with you and worship with you this week. Uh, if you're a guest with us, a special welcome to you. Uh, we are honored that you're joining us, and we want to know how we can serve you, support you, so let us know. If this is your church home, if Hosanna is your church home, then this is the time that we remember to return our tithes and our offerings to the Lord at our church home. And so many of you are doing that faithfully and even sacrificially, so bless you. Uh, if you consider Hosanna your church home and you're not already giving regularly and proportionately to how God is, has given to you, uh, then it's really easy to get started. Just text Hosanna Church to 77977. You'll be on your way. The link will come back to you. Easy to get signed up. And you'll be on your way to greater freedom and peace and, and joy and blessing that comes from trusting God with your finances. That's what we want for you. We, uh, we just finished a series on religion and politics, mm. and uh, that felt like a defining series for us. Um, and if you missed it, we'd love for you to check it out so you can kind of see where we stand and all of that. And probably pull it out again in the fall mm -hmm. as we approach November, as things get wild and crazy, because they will get wild yeah. and crazy. Yep. We're starting a series this week on James. James. James was written 2,000 years ago, but it's amazing. It's amazing, remarkable how similar the, the reality that the church was facing in James' time is to the reality that the church is facing today. It is just remarkable, including that at that time, 2,000 years ago, the church was both gathered and scattered. Jen's going to talk about that in a little bit. And of course, we can relate to that right now. And that scattering of the church in the first century happened quickly, like almost overnight. It happened so fast. And that can happen sometimes, that, that things can get scattered in a hurry. If the circumstances are significant enough, the force is strong enough, uh, it can happen. A couple of weeks ago, uh, I was pulling uh, a glass dish of spaghetti out of the microwave. I didn't know how hot it was until I touched it. <laughs> It was my hands for about 0.5 seconds, and then boom, landed on the floor. It's amazing the glass didn't break. Yeah. But spaghetti exploded everywhere. All I literally covered me, the kitchen, 20 feet across the kitchen. We found a splotch on the ceiling later. Now, fortunately, Jen was looking for something to do that <laughs> afternoon because um, she very graciously helped me with that. Uh-huh. But that's what can happen. Like in an instant, life can go from gathered, <clears throat> seemingly, you know, all together, and then scattered. It happens in the church. Yeah. Happened five months ago. Like overnight, it was like the church got scattered, went from mm -hmm. gathered to scattered. It can happen in our lives. We feel like we got it together, and then, and then everything's scattered all over the kitchen. And so then we're asking, well, how do we make sense of this? How do we make our way through this? And this journey through the book of James, we're going to look at that as, as we think about going from gathered to scattered. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think you're touching on how a lot of people are feeling right now. I do want to go back uh, to the spaghetti incident, <laughs> as we've now affectionately called it at our house. Um, this is how it played out in my life, just to give you a little bit of context. I had been working all day, and I decided at the end of the day that I just wanted to spend a few minutes in our hammock in our backyard in the shade and just read my book for a few minutes. And I had no sooner gotten in the hammock, got the pillow behind my head when Ryan <laughs> shouts from upstairs, Jen, come here, you're going to want to see this. 
So of course, I, it sounds exciting to me. So I drop my book, I run upstairs and I come up and I could not believe what I saw. That was unbelievable. And it was so strategic on your part to tell me, oh, you're gonna wanna come see this. Cause as soon as I saw it, there's no way I was gonna leave you to clean up. <laughs> no way that I could trust you to handle that. And you know, that is kind of how our lives feel right now. There's kind of like a big mess, like, you know, spaghetti scattered on the walls and we're all in it together. And so we thought that maybe one of the most helpful things that we could do in this season, especially for the month of August, as we approach what will probably be a pretty crazy fall, is just to get very anchored in a book of the Bible together. And not just any book, but we chose the book of James, like Ryan said, because I think it's going to feel very relevant to us for a number of reasons in this season. So the plan uh, for, for August is that we'll be studying together, um, living together in a, in a chapter a week of the book of James. Starting next week, we're going to start the deep dive into chapter one, along with our morning devos um, that we'd love to have you join us for every day, Monday through Saturday, will be the deep dive into these chapters. But this week, we are devoting to just getting to know James. We're going to be living with him for the next four to five weeks. So who was he? What, what can we learn about him and, and his perspective? So let's just begin together. If you've got your Bible open, I'd love to have you reading along with me. This is James chapter one, verse one. And it says, this letter is from James, a slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. I am writing to the 12 tribes, Jewish believers scattered abroad. Greetings. So we have James. What do we know about James? First of all, something that's just kind of interesting is that um, he wouldn't have gone by James. He would have gone by the name Jacob, Jacob. So this is the English translation of the name Jacob is James. And James um, would have been somebody who, who was very temple oriented. And we don't know a lot about his growing up years, but we do hear him referenced as the brother of Jesus. We put that in the series title. He is the younger half-brother of Jesus. And we don't get a lot of information about the family of Jesus in his growing up years, but as Jesus enters into his public ministry, we see a couple of times Jesus' family and what they're thinking is that Jesus is a little crazy because of the things that he's saying. And I wouldn't, we think that our brother was a little crazy if he was claiming to be the son of God, if he was claiming to be the Messiah. But we also see James being listed by name as one of the few people listed by name who got to see Jesus after he was resurrected from the dead. And so that obviously would have catapulted James into belief that his brother was everything that he says he was. So much so did he believe this that we see later on in the New Testament that James is listed as one of the three pillars or the three main leaders of the early church. So those are things that we know from church tradition about James, but what does he say about himself? In verse one, he says, this letter is from James or Jacob, a slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is quite a statement of identity. That's quite a, a summary of a bio of this is who I am. I am a slave of God, not only of God, but of my big brother, who I now call my Lord. I am a slave of God. And that's a powerful identity statement. I've been thinking this week that that is one I would love to borrow. I am Jen, a slave of God, a surrendered servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
So that's who he says he is, that that's what his identity is now. But before, uh, before his brother died and was resurrected, James's identity would have been as a very religious Jew. He's someone whose whole life, like I said, would have revolved around the temple. And now his life still revolves around the temple, but he is a Jew who believes that their Messiah has come. So he's a Messianic Jew. And he would have been gathered in the temple with other Messianic Jews, other Jews who believed that Jesus was the Messiah. But we also see that who he was writing to. In verse 1, it continues, I'm writing to the 12 tribes, Jewish believers who are scattered abroad. So there's a group of Jewish believers, Messianic Jews, who are scattered. They are scattered, we know from history, because of persecution. And so James is writing this letter at a time when the church is gathered and scattered. And like Ryan said, we can relate to that. Especially this weekend, we can relate to it because this is our first weekend that we are beginning to gather in our church buildings again. And at the same time, we are also a church scattered because there are people who are not able to attend, understandably cautious, or just weren't able to get a reservation, or it's Minnesota summer, so you're at your cabin. And so we are a church right now that is gathered and scattered, just like in the day of James. Yeah, gathered and scattered. And we're going to talk more about that in, in a moment. First, I just want to say uh, one more thing about the book of James. Uh, because the book of James is a book of practical wisdom. Uh, it's even in the title. just practical uh, wisdom from Jesus' younger brother. And, and so that leads me to just say one more thing about the book of James. It's really important. Because the, the fact that it's a, a book of practical wisdom has been misunderstood and even mistreated at times throughout history. It's caused some to go, well, maybe we shouldn't read James too much. It's caused some to, to come to this conclusion, this wrong conclusion, that somehow we need to live out this you know, practical wisdom in order to be right with God, in order to be accepted by God, or find favor with God, mm -hmm. to be saved. Now, James would have known that that isn't true. You know, Jesus' younger brother, he saw Jesus raised from the dead. Mm -hmm. He knew that salvation, favor, acceptance from God only came from Jesus on the cross, the free gift of God's grace through Jesus on the cross and the resurrection. And so James isn't coming from that perspective. In fact, he assumes that. And everything he writes comes out of that, that knowledge that he's been saved by grace through faith alone. And so, so his, his advice, this wisdom, is not wisdom on how to to be saved. It's not about you know, living this out so you can be saved. It's how you live when you know you are saved. Yeah. Not, not live this way for salvation, but live this way from salvation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's what we see in James. The purpose of the Christian life, one who has been saved by Jesus. And there are purposes in both the gathering and the scattering. We wanna talk about the purposes of the gathering and the scattering mm -hmm. for a few moments. First of all, the gathering. I know I've talked to, to some of you as I'm out walking and I run into some of you and, or emails that I've received and I know that you have been longing to gather in the church building, one of our four campuses, to worship with your brothers and sisters, the family of God. I know that. You've shared that, this longing. From the moment we went exclusively online, you've been longing for this moment. And then some of you, I've, I've run into others of you who have said, you know, I'm okay for now. I'm okay worshiping online. I'm not sure that I'm ready to be around lots of people. And you know, we understand that. We support that. Uh, we bless that. And, and so we, we get that people are in different places right now. 
But, but as we gather and still are scattered during this time, we'll continue to offer church at home for those of you who aren't ready to come back or aren't able to. Um, but, but we also, in, in the gathering, want to make some sense. What is this? We all have a longing to gather in God's presence and with other people at some level. And, and there's, there's a long, <laughs> distinguished line of people who have longed to gather in physical spaces with other people in God's presence. You can look at the Old Testament. There are many examples, including Psalm, Psalms 120 through 134. Uh, we find the pilgrim psalms where, where these psalms were read, sung as people made their way to Jerusalem to worship in the temple, this pilgrimage, sometimes traveling hundreds of miles just longing to be there. Certainly, the believers in James' time, time those who were scattered, they longed to, to gather together with the larger church mm-hmm to come together in God's presence in the presence of, of other people. It is part of the, the purpose of the gathering to come into God's presence in the presence of other people. Yeah. To come into God's presence and be filled, refilled, recharged, renewed, restored, even healed. I was talking to someone recently. He, he sees the worship gathering as a place to, to come in and be healed, that the world bruises us a little bit, wounds us, and we need to come in and be healed by God's presence in the presence of other people, how encouraging it is to be gathered with other believers. So certainly that is a big part of the purpose of the gathering of believers to worship together. But that's not all. That can't be all there is when it comes to the purpose of the gathering. There's more. Look at this passage in, in Acts Chapter one. Now, the book of Acts is a history of the early church. James was one of the key leaders, that, like Jen mentioned, one of the pillars. And right at the beginning, after Jesus' resurrection, Jesus is starting to appear to some of his followers. And in and, and verse six, it says, so when the apostles were, they, they were gathered around him, it says. By the way, they were gathered around Jesus. So when we worship, we're not gathering around a person or around a building or a certain worship style. They're, they're gathered around Jesus. We gather around Jesus when we worship. And they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? So they wanted to go back like things were. We want to restore the kingdom like it used to be. And, and we want this to be about, uh, for, we want this to be for those who, who are already a part of this. Mm. Jesus has something else to say. He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This is the other part of the purpose of the gathering. To, to gather together, but then be sent out. To gather around Jesus, yeah. but then be renewed, restored, to go out to be the church. I would sum, up, sum it up this way, that the, the purpose of the gathering is to come into the presence of God up, the presence of other believers, the encouragement that comes, the incarnational presence of other, and then that's the in and then out, up in and out. Yeah. But the ultimate purpose of the gathering is to go out, mm-hmm. to spill out, to be filled up and then spill out, to splash mm-hmm. <laughs> some of what's been poured into us out into the world. Yeah. Right, to even explode a little bit like the spaghetti in the kitchen, like all over the place, the presence of God. Yeah. Uh, one of our worship leaders, Drew Russell, our, our Shakopee worship leader, mm-hmm. uh, he said this, that the purpose of the gathering is the going. It's yeah. the going. Yeah. To go out there, to be the church. Mm-hmm. Which then leads us to the purpose of the scattering. The purpose of the scattering is to 
be sent out, to, to go out, to be the church out there where we live, work, study, and play, hmm. to bring the presence of God from here to out there, to be the witness, as Jesus says, you will be my witnesses, mm -hmm. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. Yeah. The purpose of the gathering is to get scattered. Right. Yeah. I mean, another way we talk about kind of this in the church is that there is a missional purpose to the scattering of the church. And that is absolutely true. Um, we also see throughout the entire Bible, I mean, this theme of the people of God being gathered and scattered is all over the Bible, like you've said, and it's all over the book of James. And the purpose of the scattering sometimes is missional, and it is very often also for the sake of the people of God. It's a season that God uses to do new things in people, the scattering. And I, I just know that that has been happening among us. Um, I mean, since March, if we go back and think about since March, I wonder how many times in your life, definitely in mine, but I wonder in your life, have you um, had times of feeling discouraged, feeling uh, afraid, overwhelmed, um, isolated, all the feels, right? We've had all the feels since March. And often in the middle of those times, I wonder if we have thought, I just wish I could go back to church. You know, I just wish I could go back to the building because I remember that that used to lift my spirit. I remember I used to feel better and more connected to God after I went to church. And, you know, like you talked about, Ryan, there is beauty in that. There is good in that. I mean, hallelujah. And as we start to gather, we celebrate that. And yet, when we couldn't gather and when there are still people now who can't gather, what have we discovered in this season? We have discovered that the presence of God is truly everywhere. Like we might have thought that before, but we've had to live it. We've had to realize the presence of God is not confined to a building. The presence of God is not confined to a sanctuary. It reminds me of the, the story we were talking about this week, this week together of, of Jesus and the woman at the well. This is found in John chapter four. And it's this um, intimate conversation where this woman realizes this is really a man of God I'm talking to. And her first question for him is, where should we worship? Where should we gather? Where is the holiest place for us to gather? And Jesus' response to her is so interesting. He, he says, dear woman, um, I want to explain this to you. There is a time coming, and actually it's already here, he says, and you can read about this in John chapter 4. He says, where it's not going to matter where you worship. The, where, the, the place is irrelevant. What God is searching for, he says in these verses in John 4, he uses the word he's seeking. What God is seeking is people who will worship me in spirit and in truth, no matter where they are. That's what God is looking for, not holy places, holy people. And I just had this thought this week that I really believe that since March, if God has been looking out over the South Metro, looking for people who are worshiping him in spirit and truth, no matter where they are, I believe he's found them in the households of people at Hosanna. I really do. Yeah. Hosannaites have been worshiping in spirit and truth wherever you are. And that's a beautiful thing. And being forced out of the buildings, being scattered, has caused us to have to cultivate more personal worship experiences. I believe you've been in your Bible more than you've been in a long time. I believe that you have have learned in your kitchen how to turn up worship music and have your soul lifted in your own space that you've been able to connect with the Lord. And I don't think that we're ever going to be the same. You know, we're going to appreciate the gathering, but it's not going to be our only well that we go to, as it were. The other thing that, that we've learned in being scattered and not being able to come to the gathering is that we have realized that gatherings can happen anywhere. 
they really can happen anywhere. This has been at the heart of what we've been saying as pastors in this season is find your people, find your people and gather with them, whoever they are, if it's just your spouse or if it's some neighbors, some friends, some coworkers, some community group members, who are your people that you can gather with and experience church together? I was just talking to a gal yesterday who said, we've been meeting in our garage. We've been having neighbors gathering in our garage and we watch church together and we have these wonderful conversations. You know, It's been so enriching for us to discover that yes, the gathering in the temple, as it were, is so important, but the gathering of the church can happen anywhere. It happens even when we're scattered. So um, yeah, there's purpose in the gathering and purpose in the scattering. And I think that we will see that in the book of James and we're living it in our lives right now. But the other reason that we are going to find so much resonance with this book, the book of James, is the reality is in his time, the people who were scattered had gone through some really hard stuff. They were scattered, we know, because they were persecuted. And this means that these are people who overnight lost their their property, their possessions. They had to abandon their lives, their livelihoods. These are people who are separated from people that they love. I mean, this is a hard season for the people that James is writing to. And you and I, you and I can relate to this hard season. We have also been through a very hard season, just to name it. I mean, it's true. Since March, has there been beauty? Yeah. Has God provided? Of course. But has it been hard? Yes. We are now facing, what are we going to do this fall with our children? I mean, all the parents are just up in the air. My kids, what's going to happen in the fall? What is hybrid learning? How am I going to work from home? We have a virus that we're scared of. We have financial instability. This is a time that is totally fine and sincere to say is difficult. And James, when he is writing to these people, he is not diminishing that it's difficult. But he also, right after he introduces himself, he spends the next couple of verses and and next sentences in this letter that he's writing to them, speaking right into the middle of that difficulty. And he knows that he is speaking to the people of God. He knows he is speaking to the followers of his big brother, Jesus. And this is what he has to say, encouraging them inside of the real trouble that they're in. He says, dear brothers and sisters, and we would say that to you, you are dear to us, brothers and sisters, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. I tell you what, church, if these were the verses that we lived by, I wonder what would happen in our lives if we woke up in the morning inside of this troubled time, yes. But we read this and we lived by it and we said, you know what trouble is? It's an opportunity. It's an opportunity to grow. It's an opportunity to grow what he says is in endurance. And we could talk about endurance for a long time. I mean, I would just sum it up by saying, if you have endurance in the Lord, you can get through anything. Our lives are proof of that. Our endurance has had to be built in the Lord. And that's what I wanna declare over our church right now is that I have seen this. We have seen this. We have seen your endurance growing. My endurance has grown, grown. your endurance has grown, and your endurance has grown. Our capacity has grown. We are all doing things right now that we could not even have imagined doing six months ago. Just think of who we've become and who we're becoming. And how are we getting there? through trouble. It's the only way through. 
It's the only way to get to this place he talks about where you're perfect and complete, needing nothing. That's the end game, is that that's who we would be in Christ. And the way to get there is through the trouble. So endurance, let it grow, says James, and let it grow, says Jen and Ryan. Yeah. Let it grow. That's good. When you read those verses from James 1, uh, reminded me that they were read at John Lewis's funeral yeah. uh, yesterday. Yeah. And uh, just what a, what a perfect tribute yeah. to his life. And he lived that out, the suffering and endurance. Yeah. And uh, an inspiring tribute to an inspiring man. Yeah. Gathered and scattered. Mm-hmm. This is going to be a rich journey for us. And, and I know that as we approach the fall, there's, there's still uncertainty. We're feeling scattered at times, like spaghetti all over the kitchen. <laughs> and I was talking to someone just the other day, a friend, someone who goes to Hosanna. She said, I just feel unsettled about everything. And I, I validated that. I said, me too. But then I said, you know what? We're going to be okay. Mm-hmm. It's going to be okay. Because we're, we're in this together. Mm-hmm. God's with us every step of the way. Yeah. We're going to be okay yeah. because of the faith that we have in Jesus Christ. I love that. I love that saying that we may not know what the future holds, but we know the one who holds the future. Mm -hmm. So as we step into this series and as we prepare for the fall and we go through the the month of August, let's spend less time focusing on what the future may or may not hold and focus on the one who holds the future. Let's jump in with both feet for the series on James. Uh, Monday through Saturday, let's get online and, and do those devos, dive deep. I declare that on the other side of this, the people of Hosanna are going to have stronger faith, stronger endurance. Yeah. We are going to be stronger. Mm-hmm. And we're, we're in it together. That's right. Jen, why don't you pray this in? Okay. Well, Lord, uh, today we pray for our dear brothers and sisters who have listened to this message. We all, with one heart, want to say thank you for your word that endures. Um, your word that speaks into our lives and is relevant today. We thank you for your presence, God, in our places of gathering and in our homes. Thank you for your faithfulness, Lord, unto us in this season. Thank you for expanding our capacity. We want to be people who grow. And so we pray that um, you would give us courage to face the trials ahead with our eyes fixed on you and with great expectation and joy of who we get to become by your spirit. And we pray it in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. 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 Well, we know that many of you are gathered on the other side of this screen with people that uh, you love. And we'd love to set you up to have a conversation together about today's message. We grow infinitely more when we get to dialogue about it. So in just a moment, some questions will go up on the screen. Use those to start your conversation. We will really look forward to seeing you next week for James chapter one. And now go in peace.